Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Ms. Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hobson Time in Lakeway. The next one is Tuesday, November 2nd and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click submit a show to complete the short survey. And we're working on some very exciting changes for our events page, so please stay tuned. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. And if you are listening to this and you like our podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are talking to somebody who is returning for his third time with us. His first interview with us in 2018, I consider one of our master class editions as far as guests, that comics who are uh, starting out or even a few years into their, their comedy career uh, could really benefit and learn from his experiences. And after his last interview in 2019, after the uh, recorder had been shut off, he learned that he had landed a very special and big booking and one that has continued to this day. And his punk rock style of comedy and DIY uh, work ethic it shows absolutely no sign of slowing down. He's been a musician, promoter, author, podcaster, festival producer, all on top of being a very successful road comic. And he has toured with the likes of Doug Stanhope and most recently, Eddie Pepitone. And I know and love Eddie for his role as Crazy Schmidt in Community. You may know him for other, other things, but uh, that is my, my uh, beloved favorite thing of, of Eddie's. And in its fifth year, uh, he's going to share the exciting news that you need to know all about Altercation Festival this year at Kick Butt Coffee once again. And this time, uh, the last weekend of October and probably just a day or two after this episode releases. And now, finally, Comedy Wham presents our guest, J.D. Haversat. And I, I think there's a kitty. Your kitty is, is yeah. there, too. My cat, Doc, is is always, I call him my familiar. He's always at my feet at some point or <laughs> on my lap. Uh, it's, it's funny because you mentioned your your co-producer sometimes. And uh -huh. I do my, my uh, road live talk show, I call him my producer because he's always in the chair. When uh -huh. So, yeah, that's how it goes with cats. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome back for a third time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, I it was it's very exciting that uh, you know I, I was of course clearing out the cobwebs because so much has happened over the yeah. last two years. But I I realized that uh, after after we recorded in in nineteen, you had just gotten that message. Yeah. About yeah, land. I almost didn't talk about it if I remember right. Yeah, I don't think you did. Yeah. Yeah, it had might, literally just come in the, that Pepitone had called me and said, hey, let's go on the road together. So, the, yeah, that's been very, um, you know, an, a nice pairing that has uh, fortunately worked out really, really well. Um, we're still touring together now. Uh, we, mm -hmm. just, we just wrapped three weeks or two and a half weeks of shows uh, doing the East Coast. And um, 
you know, he, he comes in, of course, to do Altercation Fest next week and basically stays here with me and we do shows till about November 15th. <laughs> so we're bouncing around doing some other Texas stuff post Altercation Fest and then flying to North Carolina for some shows in like Asheville and Winston-Salem and Raleigh. Uh, no, we're not doing Raleigh this time around, uh, but Charlotte. And so, um, yeah, it's just kind of worked out great. You know, it's, it's the type of thing. Eddie's such a force of nature on stage that as a comic fan, uh-huh. I feel really lucky that every night I get to watch him just wind up and go because uh, it's always different. And I, it's funny because I'm not a big fan of crowd work in the typical way that people think of it. Like, you know, what do you do for work, sir? Like that whole thing. Yeah. Or look at this guy because it, it tends to be. and a little uh, easy, you know, it's like you're picking out the kind of awkward person in the crowd. And I, I'm, not, sure. I'm not really, I don't like that. Uh, Eddie never does that, but what he does is he will reference things either in the room or stuff you saw that day that people will know that's like a local reference or something and just kind of weave this, <laughs> this kind of tapestry of off the cuff and that is really great to watch. Like that, that's something that I, very few other comics that I've worked with do that at all, if uh, certainly not as well as Eddie does. And so he's really fun to watch every night. Um, I'm sure he's sick to death. You'll never say it. I'm sure he's sick to death of my <laughs> stuff because even though, you know, I'm, I was supposed to record 300 pound gorilla last April. Yeah. And so I had an hour special set to go, like dialed in. And then of course pandemic happened. And so now I'm in this weird place of like, I have this material that I'm recording now in December, but I also have new stuff that's also gonna be on the special. So it's a different special. I've dropped some stuff that was gonna be on that hour, but also there's stuff that literally I was doing with him in 2019, getting sharped, <laughs> to, <laughs> sharpened up to record in spring of 2020. And so there's stuff that I'm super eager to get just dumped. Uh, <laughs> but I've got like an hour and 20 minutes right now that I pull 25 minutes from every night and mix it up. Wow. So I try to, you know, and you know, some stuff comes about organically in the set. So it's not canned, Yeah. but, uh, I do feel bad sometimes where I'm like, I'm doing this bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is what I'm closing on before I bring you up. And also we have a running gag where I said, you know, I always say I've written a set list for every show I've ever done. And I don't think I've ever stuck to it once. So it's kind of a running joke with us now where I say, I'm closing on this. And he goes, uh-huh. <laughs> because I never invariably won't yeah. shift depending on what the crowd is or what I'm feeling like, or I'll just decide, I don't want to do that bit tonight and yeah. close something different. And so he's like, I always know I'm done when you start reading off my credits. <laughs> and he's like, when I hear the applause and, and then you start saying, are you ready for your headliner? Then I, I'm like, okay, he's good. Um, but yeah, you know, I feel really lucky that we work so well together and yeah. the response from the fan base on both ends has been really great. Obviously Eddie's a very well-known kind of cult figure. Mm -hmm. um, and my fan base tends to be kind of of that similar cult figure, but way smaller, less TV credits type of way. But there is crossover. I think of people that come to see me that know of Eddie, but have never seen him before. Mm -hmm. And certainly vice versa, where there's Pepitone fans that are on, uh, have heard of me, but haven't seen me live. And so it's, it's been a really just overwhelmingly positive thing, you know? Yeah. 
Okay, so I have to ask you because you are such a, uh, a, a you ooze of confidence and self-assuredness. <laughs> I have to ask you, were you at all nervous the first night that you, 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 uh, it's funny you say that because you know, people tell me that a lot, not to sound <laughs> arrogant or something, but I, I understand why, because I'm kind of, uh, a personality, I guess you could yeah. say. And the punk rock thing definitely informs that a little bit. Uh, but I often will hear from comics that I've never met or just um, even ones that I've talked with friendly online and then I meet for first time in person, they're, they're often very intimidated by me, which is surprising to me in some sense because I think I'm a pretty nice guy and I try to be really approachable. Um, but also as someone that deals with, you know, <laughs> depression and a host of other issues, I'm often my least biggest personal fan. Mm. So to hear I'm such a confident figure is funny to me uh, because the, the, I have as much, uh, self-pummeling as any other comic I guess but that's a common thing anyway not to get yeah, on yeah. that lane um but to your point uh I wasn't nervous I was nerve not nervous I don't I don't really get nervous I've been around enough comics or rock and roll people or what because you know my background was I ran a music magazine and did radio and stuff so I've been interviewing kind of quote-unquote famous people for a long time and being around them and so I I don't get starstruck I feel very lucky to be in those situations and I take a lot of personal responsibility to not waste their time uh you know I really want to be um knowledgeable about their stuff and kind of make an impression in that way I guess without being like a well in 1985 you uh you know like that kind of super nerd thing which is off-putting I mean um, what I do that's okay it's not I mean I'm I'm saying in a in a, in a live setting when you're trying to yeah. be human with someone I think those those details <laughs> in interview form are cool yeah. uh, and, and and show that you've done a degree of homework you know I mean every time I've heard going oh this person's difficult as far as like when I've been approaching someone as a press person, oh, they're a difficult interview. Um, afterwards, I would say 90% of the time, I'm left with the impression of like, well, I bet that press person was just the problem. Like they were fine. You know, I mean, I interviewed Glenn Danzig and I was like, this is gonna be rough because <laughs> he is a notorious, and yeah. he was a little, you know, he was a little bit egotistical, but he was fine. Like I asked him, you know, like, don't ask him anything about the misfits, whatever you do. I asked him tons of misfit stuff and he was totally cool because I started talking about his comic book stuff to start with. And I wasn't uh. like, I don't know, you'd have to ask, the, or Mike Patton from Faith No More is another one that gets the, the tag of being super thorny. And we hit it off great. We've talked like four or five times and hung out once. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, I don't get nervous around people. That being said, um, my other leg up, I guess, was I knew Eddie strictly as a stand-up, and I hadn't seen a lot of his TV work. I had never actually seen The Bitter Buddha before we started working together. <laughs> I went and watched it after we had started touring together, and I was like, oh, wow. Um, so I didn't really have a nervousness about it. My only apprehension was... Eddie, for better, for worse, you know, he's in his 60s and he hasn't really done a lot of hard road work. And I, I mean, when I say hard, I mean, he's done major markets. He's done New York City and Chicago and L.A. and a few festivals here and there. 
but not one-nighters, which is what I do, which is in yeah. my DNA, which is how I approach things. Um, which is, you know, sometimes I'll do clubs where I'll do may at max four shows, you know, two Friday, two Saturday, then we're out of there. I don't do the stuff typically of flying on a Thursday and you're there till through Sunday. I, I don't like that. It feels too punch the clock to me. So unless the deal's phenomenal, <laughs> I, I don't do that. I like going somewhere for a city and doing one or two shows max that in that one or two days and then gone. Um, so my worry was wearing him out. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I had to be very aware of like, Hey, it's not you headlining and just taking on everything that I'm used to taking on, which also has changed. When I first started, it was ridiculous. You know, I would do five weeks with a night off, <laughs> which is yeah. too much. That's, yeah. that's insane. And, um, I've dialed it in though to now I do about two weeks or so. And, and once I start working with Eddie, I said, I should keep that to around 10 or 11 days with a night off here or there. Like we'll take a Monday night off just to have it or whatever. Um, and much to my pleasant surprise, once we start, once he got used to the schedule, he started way preferring that, hmm. you know, he's like, you know, we kind of say fuck the clubs is kind of our motto, <laughs> which, which sounds harsh. Like there's plenty of clubs that we like. We just did the comedy fort in Fort Collins, which is run by comedian David Rodriguez. And that was so great. I mean, all the shows were packed. We just did, well, I, it's not really a club, but uh, this place, Planet of the Tapes, it's a comedy venue, I guess is the best way to describe it, in Louisville. And we did a weekend there and ended up like adding shows because it was so great. And the response was great. And so there's certainly places we would like to play. Uh, pre-pandemic, we were in talks with Helium hmm. and we're still kind of you know friendly with them. And there's possibilities for 2022 when it makes more sense as far yeah. as markets and things like that and safety and size. But um, by and large, there's a lot of clubs that are lousy and there's a lot of clubs that just, you know, um, I don't want to say the name of it, but the last time I was out in LA, I did a show at a club in Los Angeles uh, and it was like a Cap City, old Cap City setup where it's a big room and a small room. We were in the smaller room, which was still, you know, fine, but it was myself, Carmen Morales, um, Jackie Cation and Maria Bamford. And there was 20 people there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm like, I know this was like a Friday night. And I'm going, this is the club's fault. Like, this is just a failing on the part of this venue. And, I, you know, how does that happen? Yeah. And it wasn't priced out or anything. Tickets, I think, were $20. And, uh, <sighs> and, uh, and, but it's also symptomatic of Los Angeles, where it's, you know, there's, it's, in, it's very, very difficult to get stage time because there's so many comics until you reach a certain level. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, so that means the clubs don't have to work hard because they have people begging at their door, right? Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going on a long tangent to answer your question. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, that is why we often say fuck the clubs, you know, because it, it's, and the deals often are just like, here, this is, take this. And, I, and then they're shocked when I say no, because I do the booking. I'm like, no, I'm not, no, that's ridiculous. Um, and so I was very aware that I didn't want to wear Eddie out. And so mm-hmm. we, the first few tours were just 10 dates or so, but he had never been to a lot of these markets. Um, and so that for me offset any sort of nervousness, I guess you could say, because seeing him you know, do a sold out show in New Orleans and he's never been to New Orleans ever. You know, I get to wow. Yeah, he's never done New Orleans. He's never been there, you know, or 
he, on paper, he'd be like, I'm nervous. You know, people, because <laughs> he does the comedy store and the improv all the time. He's a paid regular at both in Hollywood, yeah. which is ground center for stand-up comedy in the world, you could argue. Mm-hmm. And he's up there all the time. And I've done the, both those rooms as well, but he's a paid regular and he lives there. And so friends of his peers would be like, oh, it's great you're finally hitting the road, but wow, <laughs> you're doing some strange markets. And every time he's like, I'm a little nervous about this. They're going to get you know pitchforks and torches and run me out because we don't change what we say depending on the market. We just do us. Yeah. I said, man, you just got to trust me, you know, because you're looking on paper and, <laughs> you know, it's saying like Wichita, Kansas on a Sunday. And you say that sentence out loud, it sounds, you know, your, your initial response is what you have, which is laughable and a little bit of oof, yeah. right? Well, uh, if I've gotten nothing from being in this game over a decade and touring my ass off, it's that I know the people in each market that are going to do the good job and the right venue by this point to put us in. Yeah. And so we did that Wichita show on a Sunday and it was in a snowstorm. We had a snowstorm. <laughs> oh my God. It was mid-November and our car had the heat ran out in our rental car. Like it was just, oh. it was like planes, trains and automobiles style. <laughs> We're wearing gloves and I have him in like a, <laughs> a parka and like, I think a sleeping bag I bought to throw him in because we were freezing. And, you know, the roads were so bad. We walked from our hotel in the snow to this venue and it was packed to the walls and s- people were ravenous because they were so excited we were there. You know, it's a show we still talk about to this day. And so um, I've gotten to, yeah, and, and that was 2019, you know, here we are two and a half plus years later with yeah. a, a, a bit of a, a <laughs> mid-season break, if you will. Uh, but I mean, even on these most recent tours, there's there's times where he goes, New Hope, Pennsylvania? I'm like, you just gotta <laughs> trust me, man. You just gotta trust me. And he, he does now. He goes, okay, you're right. He's like, you're right. And then we get there and the show's phenomenal and Ween is there watching us or something, you know? So it's like- Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, that, that happened the last time I did New Hope with Jay Shanoin, who's a fantastic, comic on stand-up oh uh you know eddie and i did new hope on (laughs) sunday before we did city winery in manhattan on this tour and i think it was the best set i've seen him do the entire tour and like the crowd was just electric it was just like it's this old 70s rock club in this little like arts hamlet no one's ever heard of new hope pennsylvania (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. but it's you know but word got around too. I hooked up, you know, I got a phone call out of nowhere from Todd Glass saying, hey, can you help me out with that venue? I'm like, yeah, I'll put you in touch with the guy. And <clears throat> Mike D'Alto, who's a comic from there, who's an old friend of mine, is actually coming in a new altercation this year. Um, so that's kind of a nice full circle. And, you know, the next night <laughs> we're in City Winery and Todd Berry was on that show with us as a guest. And... <laughs> He was like, where were you guys last night? You know, because Todd is very uh, top shelf, I guess I'll say, as far yeah. as the places he'll play. And um, and I said, we're in New Hope, Pennsylvania. He goes, where the fuck is that? What is that? <laughs> and I started explaining it to him. And he's like, well, that sounds really good. And I'm like, yeah, it was. It was great. And he's like, can you get me the info? So I gave it to my manager. And I said, yeah, I can. And then he, he asked me for the next hour to give him the contact. I said, yeah, man, I'm getting ready to do my set, but yeah, I'll, I'll get you the contact. So it was, uh, <laughs> it's, 
uh, not nervous in the sense of, cause I was very much, I was like, well, if it doesn't work out after the first tour and I was very upfront with Eddie about that. I said, if you feel, I don't want you to ever feel like I'm a ball and chain around you uh, because you wanted to work with me. Like if, it, if you feel uncomfortable, if anything doesn't work out, it's cool. You know, like yeah. we're, we both got stuff going on, you know? Um, but I guess he doesn't feel that way. Cause we keep, we keep in, in touch when we're off the road, you know, almost yeah. every day. And just like, it's just become this really great friendship and partnership. So not nervous. Um, I really want him to like what I'm doing on stage and that pushes me in a good way. Yeah. And your work ethic and your, your knowledge of, of working the road is, I mean, as far as people that I, I know and, and follow and I'm aware of, you're, you're, you're at the top. Thanks. You really, you really know how, how to do it. I mean, it's pretty dialed in by this point and, you know, I do all of our booking. And so a lot of that is based on either prior relationships from, you know, you learn which place to do and which promoter to work with or not to work with. Yeah. You know, I never, you'll never, you'll very, very rarely see me trash someone online, even if I get ripped off to some degree, um, because my attitude which is something I learned from Ian Mackay from Fugazi and in Minor Threat. You know, I interviewed him once and he said he got ripped off once and Fugazi are legendary for their dealings, you know, $5 shows back in the day and just, you know, just like very organic. And, you know, he told me a story about working with a promoter. He's like, this money is not right at the end of the night. He's like, I know this is not right, you know, but what I'm going to do is this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to get into a fight with you over this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put this money on the table and I'm going to wait a minute by my watch. And if you tell me, if you don't tell me that this is wrong and that would make good, then I'm going to pick up this money and then that's fine, but I'm just never going to work with you again. Hmm. And he said, the guy didn't say anything and he picked the money and he walked out and that was that. And he just never worked with that dude again. And he said, years later, he found out that guy had been embezzling money. He had been, you know, under the gun for whatever life reasons, you know, um needed to pay his rent or whatever and he, he had found out definitively that that dude had ripped him off and so it's just that's kind of how i approach it not that i'm going to be easily ripped off <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm kind of the deal is the deal you know and so uh that part of me and also when i'm representing my friend that is hardened that is not softened as i've gotten older certainly yeah. not post-pandemic either so um but very rarely does that come up. You know, we, we've had that I can think of off the top of my head, maybe two or maybe three incidences in all of our touring where I had to get a little tough with someone. Uh, but it ultimately worked out fine anyway. You know, yeah. we haven't been ripped off. Um, but I, uh, the benefit of all the hard, hard early years is that, you know, that's something that you, I now have in my arsenal as far as who to work with, who not to work with, where to route, which markets to skip, you know, because <laughs> for every Wichita on a Sunday in a snowstorm, there's also <laughs> plenty of places. I, I have no desire to go back to Mississippi, you know, at all. You know, I mean, there's the Thirsty Hippo in Hattiesburg is a, is a solid venue. Uh, anything in that market has never worked for me and I have no desire to go there. Um, I like Huntsville, Alabama, but a lot of Alabama I do not like, and I just no desire to go there. <clears throat> so not to throw those places under the bus, but it's just like that. I, I don't want to waste my time or Eddie's time. And I don't want to 
you know, I'm sorry if your municipality ain't great. Yeah. <laughs> People don't really get it. That's, you know, um, certain places we're just not going to go. There's, there's something to be said for if, if you know the formula that works for you, mm-hmm. then that's the formula that works for you. And if, a, you know, only one place in, in a state works for you, well, that doesn't follow the formula. So you can't, you know, you right. can't. You know, I, I feel a little bad because, um, you know, another comic that's coming in uh, runs a, for altercation, runs a, a venue called Zubar in Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, and Eddie had been booked. It's a great Sunday night show. Um, and Eddie had been booked pre-pandemic and then we had to like scrap it and, you know, we're going to try and reschedule. But it's the type of thing, man, trying to to pinpoint you know he's real eager for us to get back but it's trying to pinpoint we need to be in lincoln on a sunday it's not a whole lot around there to route around yeah <laughs> so and to make it cost it's a, it's a cool bar but it's not huge and the deal's very fair but it's also you know if you're talking to do it as a strictly as a fly-in on a sunday to get to lincoln and then out it's hard to, to make mm-hmm. that work where it's yeah. profitable and all the things so um there's certainly markets where i wish we could get back it's just not practical right now and with COVID, there's certain states we're just skipping, <laughs> you know, based on, uh, which makes me sound a little bit of a hypocrite, I guess, with Texas, because I've been very irritated <laughs> with our stupid governor um, and fighting him every inch of the way that I can as yeah. far as safety protocols and stuff. But, you know, there's, uh, I'm, I'm taping my new special in Florida in December, it'll be fine. And, you know, right now I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, the album is called Swamp Beast. The art is done very Florida in- inspired. I want to record it in Gainesville because I do well there. It's a good punk rock city. And I headlined this festival called The Fest there in 2019. And I haven't been back since. And so I really want to record there. The venue's this rock club I like a lot. But also I said, well, all right, I'm going to do it but I'm not, I said to Eddie, I said, let's not do surround shows. I'm going to fly in, I'm going to tape and then I'm going to leave, you know, cause I, Florida doesn't even feel safe in December to me, you know? Yeah. And so um, there's certain States that we're just saying no to. Um, all of, all of the conversations that, that I've had and, you know, with my podcast always come at some point to the, the, the COVID discussion. And for somebody that's such a workhorse, like you what was your shutdown like nightmare you know crippling yeah Um, really 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 hard i um you know super hard in some ways you know (laughs) in december of last year i set fire to my calendar literally (laughs) i threw it to the fireplace uh um superstitious dude or any of that stuff but i was just like fuck this year you know and, and yeah. it, was, it was really hard but he has their like i had this lined up thing but like you know 2020 had a lot of milestones for me going in as far as i had this new partnership with eddie that was working really well we were booked to do booked to headline four or five festivals you know we're supposed to do bird city and Phoenix and the Memphis Comedy Festival and just a bunch of high profile things. I was supposed to record for this new label that I just mm-hmm. signed to. I had this nice, you know, and Tara Bang picked me as like a 2020 breakout. And then it was just like, all this kind of work was culminating. It was the fifth year of the festival. So I was gonna like really blow it up and 
um, <clears throat> had some stuff planned as far as the lineup that was going to be above and beyond my normal budget. Cause I'm like, it's the fifth year. Screw it. It's been half a decade, you know, yeah. go a little, bit, go a little bit bigger. And then that just all went poof, you know, and it, it would poof for everyone. Everybody had stuff going on. So I know I'm not unique in that. And a lot of comics had it way harder than I did. And I see a lot of people that only had <clears throat> comedy as their everything just kind of crumble as people. Mm-hmm. And now they're nurses or whatever, you know, they went back to school or whatever they did or realtors or whatever, um, which I totally get because their entire identity was wrapped up in comedy. Fortunately for me, <clears throat> my insane kind of work ethic thing, which people always talk about, which is a double pronged sword. I don't think it's always healthy, um, but it's there. So yeah. Um, it kicked in in some degree for me because I have written books and stuff like that. I was like, maybe I'll write another book, but I had no creative interest in that way. It felt books are take a lot out of you. I didn't have the energy. I was just very depressed and honestly angry. I had a lot of anger stuff going. felt like the the rug being swept out from under you um, in a lot of ways. So, and again, this is not unique. A lot of people felt these things. Yeah. Um, but I pivoted to making art stuff. I was making, I started making action figures, which is really weird and kind of on brand for me as a weird thing. Like, of course you're doing some stupid shit like that. Um, but yeah, I, I started it's making, been incredible. It's been incredible I, to watch. It's been wild to me that anyone cares. Um, and I was never like a model kid growing up. I never painted airplanes or any of that stuff or model cars or even really GI Joe or collect or Star Wars or anything like that. I was a He-Man kid, but I didn't, you know, those are the big oversized figures. I never really, I always liked toys, even as an adult, like action figures specifically. Mm-hmm. I always thought were neat monsters and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I started making some, I made one for Mishka Shubali for his birthday as a joke. And then it really caught on quickly. And then once I'd say by around May or June of 2020, when I realized comedy was not coming back and the, the festival is going to be canceled and all the things I just kind of said, all right, I'm scrapping my year and it is what it is. And I just put it on the shelf and I didn't think about comedy. I certainly didn't write or any of that stuff. Um, and that was pretty much up until I would say March of this year. I just didn't think about comedy at all, hmm. um, which was really hard to do, but yeah. also in a sense, I just dove into this other art stuff and just started sculpting and painting and doing, you know, added at, up doing this gallery in LA hit me up and I did a couple things for like a Stephen King themed show and a David Lynch themed show which now David Lynch owns one of those pieces <laughs> wow crazy that's incredible it's in his office you know <laughs> um <laughs> like what and you know I made some for Neil Gaiman the author and a bunch for Pat Oswalt who's kind of a buddy and and just kind of it just kind of took on this own organic thing. And, and I still do it now. It's, it's a legit side career when I'm, I'm either on the road or I'm home doing toy stuff is now yeah. where I'm at, which I feel super lucky. I mean, I have two artistic endeavors that it's crazy to me. I, I never take for granted the fact that these are, you know, both my jobs, you know, um, <laughs> you're living the dream of an adult child. Uh, exactly right. <laughs> That is exactly right. It is definitely suspended adolescence, but also hooray. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yeah. certainly not rich, but I make a living at these two things where, you know, I don't have a boss and uh, there's certainly not uh, 
careers that are secure, you know, either yeah. one could go away at any point as evidenced by last year. Um, yeah. But it feels nice to have it as a thing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and what's wild to me now is there's certainly a lot of people that know me just as a toy guy and not even as a comic and vice versa. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, it was really, really difficult. It, it, but when I burned that calendar, you know, I did a Facebook post. I said, it wasn't the worst year of my life. It was the hardest year of my life. And, and so there was a lot of things that informed that and a lot of things that were you could argue were necessary. I probably needed to take a break and kind of look at some things that I had been, you could argue I was touring and kind of avoiding some stuff. Hmm. You know, it got me back into therapy. I probably needed to be in therapy for a while, you know, but it, it was the type of thing that I was like, I need to be in therapy right now, <laughs> you know, and that's been a really positive thing. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate your honesty, not just with me, but I, I have seen some of your posts where you're, you know, you were fully honest yeah. about how hard it was. Yeah. I mean, I, and sometimes that, you know, my mom's not thrilled with that sometimes in a way that <laughs> I understand. She's like, do you have to tell everybody everything? But to me, yes. And not all the time. Right. But as someone that deals with depression um, and, you know, self-doubt and all the things that a lot of creatives deal with, a lot of people deal with, but mm -hmm. definitely creatives. You know, I, I, I definitely had a network of musicians and comics and artist types that we stayed in touch with each other throughout the pandemic, checking in on each other, because it's just a similar cloth for whatever reason. Um, but I, you know, when I am in the grip of something, or if I've had a, a positive breakthrough with something, like getting back into therapy, mm -hmm. um, it's important to me to be transparent about that, because like you said, a lot of people are a little intimidated by me sometimes, or just see me as this like idealist workhorse, that like, oh, he's said this and this and this and this and this and this and this. God, why should I bother? <laughs> you know, like I hate that because sometimes comics will say that they're like, "I'm just trying to be a comic," and you like run a festival and you tour with these people and run a talk show and all this shit. And you know, for me to be very transparent in like, "Hey, I'm struggling." Like, "Hey, this is hard. This is there's no shame in." I kind of say I kicked down my closet about my depression years ago when I hit a real low, low point, you know, and, and had to address it because I was losing, I lost 30 pounds in a month. It was like a real crash. Wow. And so people were having you know, like math, like what's going on, you know, and it was just all mental health shit. Um, so the fact that I know it's a real thing and conversely, people that don't have it um, sometimes have a really hard time understanding it. You know, I, I, I get that too. They, my, my family, it, it's in my family from my, my grandmother and stuff, but my current, you know, my parents and my brother and everybody don't, don't have it. I just happen to be the one who got it. Mm -hmm. And so they empathize about it, but they don't have it. So if you don't have it, it's hard to know, you know, like, right. why can't you just shake it off? Why can't you go for a walk? Why can't you, you know, <clears throat> they're not, they're not judgy like that, but I understand yeah. those thoughts because I always say, <clears throat> I got lucky in that I don't have addictive tendencies at all. I like to drink, I like to smoke pot. I can take or leave whatever. I, you mm -hmm. know, I, I don't have addictive tendencies. I don't have, um, you know, some people uh, precise and have to be, it has to be the, you know, like the kind of, um, I forget the term, but, uh, you know, kind of count the leaves in the, in the garden yeah. type of thing. I don't have that. Yeah, 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 OCD, right. I don't have that. Um, I can empathize with that. 
I can say, I understand that that's a real thing and you struggle with it. And I'm sorry about that, but I don't have those things. So it's hard for me to be on the same page. So I try and be as transparent about it as possible. And, you know, it's not the reason I do it, but I do get a lot of feedback from fans and just people that know me also saying, thanks for putting that up. It made me feel not so weird. It made me feel, Mm -hmm. or someone's spouse who doesn't suffer from it, but has a partner that does says, oh, I read that and now I understand it a little bit better or something. So, boy, this this got real unfunny, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how do I pivot to something fun and exciting? You just go to a, go just don't just drop it we'll just straight up segue into something completely lighthearted. but yeah i mean um it's an important yeah, conversation it was, it was a rough year it was a yeah. rough year and so the, yeah. to address it is rough for everybody yeah um, and i'm really glad to be back doing comedy again yeah so Which I, didn't know what I wanted to do that was the other thing you know that that doubt creeps in i'm like do i even care anymore do mm. i, I didn't, do i want to be funny do i have anything else to say or is this special it and no one really knows that, but with the basis of last year, I was like, once I had given it up for so many months, <clears throat> I didn't start writing until we booked shows. And I was like, oh, good. This is still here. Good. So that was good to know. Yeah. So I want to share with you my experience going to Moon Tower uh, Festival uh, in September, which is usually in April. And I'm yep. sure that informed uh, your scheduling of your festival since you are you usually end of September. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna hold my tongue quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, well, the comment that I wanna, wanted to make about it is how magical it felt and how the, the comics that had come in to perform were also excited to be together again. And sure. audiences were excited to see live comedy on such a scale again and i i'm very excited for you and for altercation festival because all of the comics that are come to are going to come together and your your audiences your loyals because i remember you've told me that there's a a couple that fly in from like some ungodly distance to come to the festival every year (laughs) yeah they do they're they're really upset because they they can't make it this year oh no (laughs) they had a new you know job thing that started and so oh bummer they're really upset about that. But yeah, I mean, I would say 65% of my ticket sales so far are from people out of state, which is wild. Yeah. And cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, um, <clears throat> Moon Tower did make it a little difficult this year. <clears throat> and I know they were kind of pivoting on their own as far as doing what they needed to do. But it's, it, you know, when I first started Altercation Fest, I very much was aware I didn't want it to be around anyone else out of respect. Yeah. And, you know, end of September, I'm like, they're in April and, you know, uh, out of bounds is end of summer. And just, I tried very hard before <laughs> flipping the switch to have it by, dialed in yeah. and then suddenly see the announcement. They're the same week as me. And I was like, oh, well, wonderful. Thanks guys. You know, after I had already announced, I'm like, okay. So I bumped it to the end of October, which was the the only way I could do it, you know, and still I couldn't bump to, to the following spring or anything. And thank mm-hmm. God I didn't because now they're back in the spring, allegedly. So, yep, yep. But the positive of anything is it gave me an extra month to kind of uh, safety wise give us some lead out mm-hmm. because September, Texas was still pretty gnarly with the variant and everything. Yeah. And things feel a lot more calm now. Um, not that they're wonderful, but better. And, um, 
the Halloween aesthetic kind of works with my brand a little bit. It's it like does. The devils and all the sort of fun mascots I have. With yeah. So, so yeah, but I'm super, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited and I'm also very zen about this year where I have a very much, and I don't know, that's probably a symptom of last year changing me in that I'm a planner, um, but I tend to be like thinking constantly about the next this year I'm very much booked their flights you know the tickets are the tickets and um I very much have a uh a very day-by-day mentality now so I'm not you know right now last you know right now in a typical year I'd be juggling a million things and probably not even have time to talk to you because I'd be so I'm going to, after I'm done talking to you today, I'm going to shower and probably go to a street festival. <laughs> you know, so I'm, everything is done. I've done everything I can do. Yeah. There were some last minute lineup switches here and there, you know, Dave Ross, who I've been wanting to get in for years and he's a friend. I uh, got some LA stuff that he couldn't say no to. So he scrapped his whole tour. Huh. Um, so, but you know, that's okay. I've got Adam Caden Holland Becker co-headlining and taking his slide it all works out. It's just a degree of, you know, my print materials, people wanted to murder me because I kept calling and switching up stuff on the final schedule as we're going to press. Um, But by and large, you know, it's, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I'm also very matter of fact about it. You know, I'm like, it'll be what it'll be this year. It's going to be a little weird. Um, I expect good crowds. I don't expect it to be every show sold out and out the door like it was in 2019 because life is different now, you know, mm-hmm. life is just completely changed. Um, and so I know it's going to be fun. I know it's going to be full, if not gangbusters full. And I think cautiously knock on table, once things are, the dust has settled a little bit more next year and going forward, I think it's going to return to what it was. I'm not really worried about that. Yeah. Are you uh, doing anything new this year that you hadn't done in previous years? I mean, yeah. Um, one thing new that I'm doing is, well, another thing during lockdown is I got approached by this online company to start hosting a live format talk show, mm-hmm. which is via, via Zoom um, called The Road Live because um, I kind of stopped doing my podcast during lockdown because it's about touring and there's no sense if I'm not touring (laughs) right defeated the purpose and so um I said well they they wanted me to do it as like a comedy thing and I I did not do any comedy zoom stuff I was not into that but I said let me I'd like to do something kind of like Paul Provence's green room you know where I interview different not just comics but musicians and just all kind of artistic types and we had, you know, activists, we have Jex Blackmore, who runs the one of, she's one of the higher ups in the Church of Satan for a while, and just like interesting people. Mm-hmm. Um, having her with Chad Daniels was hilarious, because Chad was like, there's a Satanist on here? <laughs> it's like, she doesn't believe in the devil, and she's just like this badass feminist kind of women's rights activist <laughs> under the guise of that. And by the end of it, they were like best friends. It was hysterical for me to That's see. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because Chad is one of my favorite people times he's like there's a satan worshiper i'm like just hang out just you'll it'll be fine you'll get it um but that was something that kind of turned into a really great thing you know each episode we did a certain degree for charity and so we raised a bunch of money for austin mental health or animal outreach 
every episode. And it also built this kind of neat community of people that didn't know each other from all over because he didn't have to be in Austin. Yeah. Uh, that looked forward to socializing, you know, on a Friday night when we couldn't go to places. And so that's something I'm doing live this time around. So I've got um, some local friends. You know, the Lizard Man is coming in to talk about sideshow stuff. Um, I've got Kyle Shutt, the guitarist from The Sword. I've got Blag, the lead singer from The Dwarves, is flying in. Um, I had David Yao from The Jesus Lizard in a ton of movies was coming in as well. He's a maybe right now. His schedule shifted a bit, and so he really wants to do it. Um, but he's waiting to see on some some big money movie stuff. He just got cast. He was he did the uh, remake of The Toxic Avenger this summer. <laughs> wow! But, so he's been doing a lot of acting stuff. So we had dinner the last time I was out in LA and talked about. I'm like, I want to talk to you about acting, you know. And so he uh, he's a maybe, and um, so that's going to be like an interview format which is a totally thing I've never done before. So it's going to be like four or five of us on stage at a time on Friday night. And there's going to be performance in that as well. You know, Lizard Man's going to do some <laughs> crazy put stuff in his face stuff that he does. And Blag from the Dwarves is going to do a live music set. And so it should be pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I, you know, it's, not, it's not comedy with a capital C, but it's going to be very funny. Mm -hmm. And also just kind of a neat, off, you know, in the moment type thing. I really like that stuff that you can't, can you know what i mean like it's it's that's something that i have no idea what it's going to be i don't even know what i'm going to talk about right now you know it's it's kind of just and that's how i approached the show when i got hired to do it you know um and just signed on for our third season which is going to start probably in january just schedule wise nice um but it's i i go in with a knowledge of who the people are but i just kind of let the conversations organically kind of manifest in the moment you know i don't have an agenda you know uh, as far as hard hitting <laughs> yeah. interrogation, because I want it to be a four way conversation, you know. Right. Um, so that's exciting to me. Um, we have the the brunch, the McEwen's brunch on Saturday, yes. which has become its own monster, and that's pretty great. Um, but I usually have podcasts in the afternoon, but this time around, I've got Mishka and Kyle from The Sword doing an hour of kind of music and stories, because that seemed like a kind of I just wanted to make it different a little bit each year and not have mm -hmm. it strictly cookie cutter. And it's the first year also I'm doing any sort of kickoff stuff, you know, Tuesday. Yeah. The Creek in the Cave now is really, they were very, very eager to work with me in terms of the festival. And I said, well, kick butt is my place. You know, I'm not going to move from there. Um, I'm pretty loyal to that spot, but I said, we can do a kickoff show. And so Tuesday night it's me hosting for all secret friends. And so it's a completely secret lineup of, all headliners from the festival Exciting. and maybe some people that may not even be at the festival that are going to be around that are coming in also. So yeah, that, that'll be fun. That's a one-off show. And I like the space very much. You know, I like Colton a lot. I like Rebecca. So um, that's Tuesday at 10. Um, and it's fun too. Cause I try not to do too much stand up during the fest. Cause I'm busy running it. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even going to, I wasn't even going to feature for Eddie this year uh, on the uh -huh. festival, even though people would be annoyed because that's kind of the touring package right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had his podcast co-host books and then he had a cancel, he got some TV thing. And so I said, well, I guess I'll take the slot then because it makes sense. Um, yeah. But originally I had no standup for me planned at all, you know, so this was going to be my little standup show on Tuesday. Yeah. 
So yeah, there's some different stuff. I never want it to be, there's certain things that I always want to be standard, like the McEwen's Brunch or closing it out with the Beaumonts playing. I think that's a really great representative of Texas. And I like ending it with music and, you know, all the things. Um, But I never want it to be predictable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God forbid, boring. (laughs) Never. Well, I know you have a, a Zen agenda for the rest of the day, so we're gonna we'll, we'll, <laughs> yes. we'll start wrapping it up. There's a couple of things that uh, I want to hit on. One is, uh, as as you know, in my in my podcast, I always ask for a, a one word question for the past and for the future. For the past, your word has been odd, uh, but I but I always ask you for a a a fresh take on your word for the future. So. JT, what is it? Word for the future. I know in the past I've used optimistic too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say determined. Determined is the good future word. Um, I'm kind of more informed as far as for better or for worse who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had a pretty good idea before last year, but it's, it's very much crystal clear to me now as yeah. far as like what I need to be a well-rounded person and what, you know, um, you know, I, I think it's something that a lot of comics struggle with is like a backup plan as far as career, because it's such an unpredictable job and such a weird job and such a, honestly, to a lot of other quote unquote real adults, an illegitimate job. Mm-hmm. You know, you say you're doing a stand-up comic, it sounds like you're a superhero or something, you know, it sounds like a ridiculous thing. Or like I'm I'm a painter. Oh, how what do you charge for a house? No. <laughs> no, I I paint small little figures and uh-huh. sell them for for money to <laughs> David Lynch. What? <laughs> it just you know, it, it's it's I understand how weird it is. Um but you know, the whole concept of a backup plan is fuck that to me you know like I, I i i'm not built for and maybe this sounds arrogant but i'm not built for cubicle life i'm not yeah I, I i don't care about money to the degree where making more money doing something like that and being more secure is a payoff to me versus making what i feel is enough <laughs> to get by and be happy mm-hmm. uh not having a boss and doing my own thing completely so um yeah determined i guess you know i'm I'm very determined right now to i'm determined to have this festival go off there was a lot of times even in the last two months where i was like i don't know all this you know the delta and and our governor and all the things i was like i don't a lot of people online saying don't go to texas don't support it at all you know and i had to fight back against that thanks to him you know i say well you're just punishing the venues and the people that are actively against that agenda by doing that right Right. Yeah, telling musicians and comedians and stuff to cancel their plans to go to Austin doesn't How are they going to the eat? <laughs> doesn't hurt the governor. It just hurts the venues and the, the comics that are here that have been struggling already. Yeah. You know, those are, you know, you want to, you want to get it a serious message, have the, the, you know, the corporate um, meetings and stuff that are, are the, the events downtown that are hugely influential on an economic scale to cancel. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's when you make a little bit of, whatever um but these are things we know but but there was very much an anti-texas rhetoric as far as other performers 
you know, some of them I'm friends with. Some of them I had to say, hey, here's my counter to that. Yeah. They would, oh, that's a good counterpoint. And sometimes they'd say, we can agree to disagree. That's their prerogative. I understand where it comes from. I've certainly mm-hmm. had the impetus a la Mississippi or, you know, Alabama, where I'd say, I'm not going there. You know, why do you guys, you know. Um, so, yeah, but I'm determined that it's going to go well. I'm determined to have it as safe as possible while still having it be fun and not a hospital room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to have different mic socks for every performer. So, no, you know, everyone kind of has their own mic in a sense, and those will be disinfected in between. And, you know, I'm encouraging mask wearing, but if you're vaccinated and get in the door, it's up to you. And, you know, all the things. Um, I'm determined to record this friggin' record finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then kind of force myself to, you know, set fire 90% of that stuff. Um, and then just see what next year is. You know, like this year's kind of a, a, a tying up of a lot of stuff that was supposed to happen last year. And so we'll see what the next year holds, you know. Yeah. As of right now, Eddie and I still are, we're still already booking tour dates for next year. Fantastic. Uh, the special should come out in the spring, assuming I don't mess it up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Road Live talk show thing is going to hopefully in, in January, I think, start the new season. So, yeah. so there's some stuff to do. I still have, I have another book percolating in my brain. Great. Yeah. You say great. I say great. <laughs> it's all intonation, you know. I say great, dude. Really? We're going to tackle another book, you idiot. <laughs> Such a huge undertaking, but yeah, I've got an idea for, I've actually got an idea for two, but there's one that I, that is more pressing. Um, So we'll see if that happens, but yeah, yeah, just, you know, this is my path in life uh, as scattered as it is. And, you know, that, that's what I'm going to do. So determined. Well, I, uh, I I will hit you up a lot sooner next year in, in advance of the oh, festival because okay. I know you're getting busier and busier and I want to make sure that I lock in time to catch up and chat oh, with I you. I really appreciate every year too, like the, these chats. I look forward to them. You know, yeah. So. yeah. And, and you're, you're doing such a wonderful thing as far as the Austin scene. So thank you as always for everything you guys do because it's, it's really... You know, I get hit up a lot by comics saying, dude, what, where do I go in Austin to get over there? I said, here's the source. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, you gave me a great, you know, a, a grenade of information I can toss and then get out of there. Cause I, <laughs> Well, that, that's been, and like you, you know, we're, we're adding new things to the plate, you know, we're just growing yeah. and, and doing new things. And this new thing that we're, we're doing, which we're excited to, to uh, this is our second go around uh, to have a festival schedule on our, our uh, yeah. events page. So anybody that's that, so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So um, anybody that's looking for your schedule and they they don't want to get up and look at the, your print schedule, they can look at their phones and, and yeah, have that's to. Killer. And I will definitely get the word out about that. That's hugely appreciated. And yeah. Yeah. Really great, so. And uh, uh, just uh, if you've got lineup changes, we'll we'll uh, make make those. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, check like check when we're done talking today, check the website because <laughs> the most up to date locked in stone one is there. I'm not changing yeah. it. <laughs> which is uh, altercationcomedyfest.com. The, yeah. the schedule on there is the schedule. So, <laughs> All right. Well, let me uh, close this out. That is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents JT Haversat, Volume 3. Uh, tell <laughs> us where we can find you on social media and uh, 
promote that um, festival. Sure. Yeah. My website's jtcomedy.com and eddiepepitone.com always has the most up-to-date tour dates for us. Um, uh, at JT Standup is my Twitter. At JT Custom Toys is my Instagram. Um, and, you know, Facebook, I'm on there, a bunch of altercation comedy uh, group in there, as well as the JT Customs uh, group on Facebook. But jtcomedy.com has links to most of that stuff, I think. Um, and I'm going to be, I should mention this too, the end of November, I think it's the 29th, the 30th, and December 1st. Uh, I'm doing three nights headlining at Creek in the Cave, where I'm going to be running my new hour before I go fly to Florida to record the final product. So, uh, and we're going to be filming that, like video filming. Fantastic. Those. So yeah, we're going to be doing video on those. I'm going to have Josh McLean from Memphis with me opening those shows. Oh. With special guests each show, so it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Be really excited to have Josh come in. Um, he's one of my favorites. And so that'll be fun. That's at the Creek in the Cave, just creekandcave.com, I think right now. So those mm -hmm. are my only planned headlining shows in Austin for a long time. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then fly to Florida in a few days after that. And that's a wrap on shows for the year. So, but uh, altercationcomedyfest.com has the schedule and tickets and jtcomedy.com has all my other stuff. Awesome. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how JT got to be the comedic genius Zen genius now uh, <laughs> <Tempting> <laughs> that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents J.D. Haberset. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you again, J.T. Thank you so much, Val.